should really get started. Someone asked if this was in a movie. No, it's a joke. Um, but, you know, it really relates to what I want to get at here. Uh, you, you're probably uh, in the right place. The, the class was called The Force Be With You. I know it's May the Force Be With You, but we say The Lord Be With You in, in church. And I really do think that George Lucas was inspired by the Book of Common Prayer when he <laughs> invented the saying of May the Force Be With You. Uh, and with thy spirit, um, and uh, and so uh, that's the the the, the class uh, before the force reawakens, uh, because as you know the the next installment, chapter seven, is called uh, the force awakens. Uh, and by the way, I'm standing over here because the HDMI cable for the laptop is really short, so in order to 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 move the slides, I have to kind of stand right here while I give my lecture. And I've got tons of slides uh, because uh, I just felt like this is such a visual uh, subject matter that when I talk about things, I kind of want to show you the, the stills from some of the film uh, to talk about it. But that, that's all uh, by way of introduction. It means nothing to you. I just want to uh, talk a little bit as people walk in, really, um, to get you warmed up to my voice. And uh, as a prayer, um, Let's say this confession together, which comes from the 1928 prayer book. Uh, the Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And there is no health in us, but thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. And for a scripture passage, I have this reading uh, from Romans chapter 7, which I know is just like the most cliche thing to, to quote at the Advent, uh, but it really does relate to what I want to talk to you about in terms of Star Wars. Um, so this is Paul in Romans chapter 7, starting at the 21st verse. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Um, I bring this in because of, uh, uh, because of the idea of uh, good and evil uh, in Star Wars. And, and naturally, like if you think of Star Wars, a lot of people say that this is sort of the quintessential uh, cinema tale that's a, the, 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 the fight between light and dark, good and bad. But I don't think that that's actually entirely true. Of course, I grant you that. I mean, there's a lot of t language about light and dark, good and bad, the light side, the, the dark side of the force. Um, but uh, I think the, 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 the moral vision of Star Wars is more complicated than that. And this is actually a children's book. It looks like a children's book, but I think it's actually made for, for nerdy adults uh, to buy. Um, 
which actually kind of gets a, a closer version of the truth of what I want to talk about here today, uh, the complicated moral vision of Star Wars, that it's not necessarily about uh, a sort of easily dichotomized good and evil. Um, and people like to talk about, you know, to, to put it in 50-50 silos of good and evil because that's just easy to deal with. It's easy to, to think of life that way, that um, there are either good people or there are bad people. And so, you know, we have sayings like this from Anne Frank and her diary. Um, and if you don't know the story of her, a child that uh, wrote this diary uh, in the midst of the Holocaust in Germany, and she writes, in spite of everything, I still believe that people are really good at heart. Um, and I think that Anne's sort of speaking to what a lot of people want to think and, and do say, um, but um, as Luke says here, I have a really bad feeling about that. Um, and really, the, the, the doctrine um, that, uh, that I want to grapple with in terms of Star Wars is something that uh, Martin Luther called uh, and I can't say this correctly in the Latin, but simul justice epicator, so at the same time, righteous and a sinner. Um, and that's a joke, nailed it, because uh, he nailed the 95 Theses to the wall. Um, but uh, so what Martin Luther said is that the, the Christian is at once 100% righteous and at, pers- at, at, at the same time 100% a sinner. Um, and uh, that, that's really that inward battle that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 7. You know, I want to do the right thing, but there's something uh, that prevents me from doing it. And even though I don't want to do the wrong thing, I do it anyway. Um, so I bring all that w- by, by way of uh, theological introduction to talk about Star Wars. And the question I have for you then is, who is the antagonist of Star Wars? Who's the antagonist of Star Wars? Let's talk about the first trilogy, episodes uh, four through six. Who's the antagonist of Star Wars? I mean, that's not a rhetorical, I'm asking you, what do you think? The Emperor? Do you all agree? Sorry? Who is the antagonist of Star Wars? Somebody said the Emperor Palpatine, as we learn his name later. The Empire in its totality, maybe. Uh, the Galactic Empire, uh, where the, uh, the, the, the sort of uh, dark side of the Force resides in terms of imperial governance. Um, and uh, iconically, though, who's sort of seen as the antagonist of Star Wars? Darth Vader. And I want to say that actually isn't true. Um, if you think about the the, the story of Star Wars, it's not necessarily true, especially with what's now called The New Hope, Episode 4. It was never really called that in the beginning. It was called Star Wars, as this poster says, that Darth Vader, if he's the antagonist, that would make Leia the protagonist because they're really the one who are having a conflict. But So Vader's therefore, at least in Episode 4, and uh, even, I would say, in Episodes 5 and 6, he's really the villain, uh, but he's not the antagonist. I want, I'm, gonna just, I'm gonna blow your mind right now and tell you that I think the antagonist of Star Wars is actually Luke Skywalker. Um, that this is a, especially with A New Hope, but a little le- bit less so as they go on into episodes five and six, but it kind of comes back in, in uh, Return of the Jedi a little bit. Um, and especially with the ending of Return of the Jedi, it's hard to say that Darth Vader is the antagonist because we see the redemption at the end. Um, 
but that especially in episode four, it's a tale of Luke Skywalker versus Luke Skywalker. Um, and this is interesting to me both theologically, but in terms of anticipation of episode seven, when Mark Hamill will play Luke Skywalker again, what's going to happen? You know, and there's a lot of rumor about, has he gone to the dark side? Is he actually the new Sith? Uh, because both the, the Emperor and Vader are killed at the, episode, at the end of episode six. But uh, Luke Skywalker, I think, is the antagonist, especially of episode four, because that episode is this internal battle of Luke fighting himself, really uh, in terms of grappling with the Force um, and uh, letting go. Um, if you think about the episode in the beginning uh, on Tatooine, I hope you all have seen it because I'm just assuming that you've seen it. If you haven't seen it, you're going to be so lost. And I'm sorry, but hopefully you're kind of along for the ride and you'll catch some things and you'll go back and watch all of them, especially the first uh, trilogy. Uh, and I'm just talking so fast because I know my limited time, and I, I could probably do a three-part series on this and probably should have. But the beginning of episode four, when they're on Tatooine, uh, his aunt says about Luke, because he's this sort of, do you remember at the beginning of episode four, he's so whiny. He's this, such a teenager. He's like 17 or 18 years old, and he's just so whiny and a brat. And by the way, episode four actually does take place over the course of like three days. <laughs> Which is funny when you think about that, the, the sort of progression that he makes in three days from this whiny, bratty <laughs> teenager to destroying the Death Star. Um, but do you remember he says that he wants to go uh, join the, uh, the, the Imperial Army at the beginning? He wants to be, uh, he just, he's looking for adventure. He wants to join the Army because he's, he's looking to, to, to be a hero. And... Um, he is arrogant and self-reliant, depending on his own strength. And then his aunt says he has too much of his father in him. And we don't know this yet in episode four. We find out in Empire Strikes Back that, um, and, uh, and who knows if, uh, I guess based on um, extra canonical stuff, as you could call it with respect to Star Wars, that actually George Lucas at this point didn't think that Darth Vader was Luke's father. But we all know that. And so when you watch episode four, Again, and you hear this, you think Darth Vader, that she's talking about Anakin Skywalker. Uh, and we all know what happened to him. He became Darth Vader. And so this idea that um, the, the, I want to explore this sort of relationship between Luke and Darth Vader and how they're actually quite similar. Um, and then, uh, so that's the beginning of the story. Uh, and then he uh, joins up with Obi-Wan Kenobi who tells him a little bit about his father and how he was a Jedi Knight. And then Luke, just learning about the Force and Jedi Knights, all of a sudden says, goes from wanting to join the Imperial Guard to wanting to become a Jedi uh, because the Force is strong in him. And so they go on this adventure to, to save uh, Princess Leia on the Death Star. And you see really when they're on the Death Star, Luke's sort of... Uh, this, uh, the, the, the dependence, the arrogance of uh, going off on his own and uh, with, with little battle training, uh, commandeering the situation and, uh, and actually saving Princess Leia. Uh, and then they go from there to the end of the episode where um, they're at the uh, sort of briefing meeting with the Rebel Alliance. Do you remember in the briefing room? And there's the Death Star, which is this large battleship spaceship the size of a moon and it has this laser beam which we already know is capable of destroying planets because they've already uh, used the laser to 
blow up uh, Leia's home, which probably killed billions of people. I mean, gosh. Um, you know, I mean, so, so they know its power and, uh, and need to destroy it. And so these are the fighters of the Rebel Alliance, and Luke is with them. And the, the, the way to destroy it is, the, what does they say? There's this two-meter hole in this very large, massive, moon-sized ship that a torpedo has to go down to, uh, to, to the, the core of the Death Star to its place of vulnerability, and that's what will blow it up. And they're doing this briefing, and they explain how difficult that is. And, um, and someone sort of says, like, how difficult this is. And, and you know, the guy who was this bratty, sniveling uh, teenager just a few days ago says, I used to bullseye womp rats in my T-16 back home. Like, no sweat. I got this, guys. I can do this. We don't even know if he's flown an X-Wing fighter before, but here he is, um, still toward the end of the movie, uh, relying on his own strength. He's learned about the Force from Obi-Wan, and Obi-Wan's now dead at this point, but his Force ghost is still sort of tutoring Luke uh, as a sort of guardian angel uh, father figure. And, and, and still with his knowledge of what Obi-Wan's told him about the Force the past couple of days, he's kind of this, um, he's like, I got this, guys. I can, I can destroy the, the, the Death Star. But still, toward the end of the movie, past two-thirds of the film, relying on his own arrogance and strength and, and ability to do this. And uh, when they go to uh, destroy the Death Star, the, the X-Wing fighters have this navigational computer that is showing them that zeroing in on that two-meter hole where the torpedo needs to go down. And somebody else has tried and failed, and, and Luke's really the last guy left. And he has this navigational computer on his face, and Obi-Wan says to him, use the Force. Um, tutors him again with his Force ghost. And so Luke, and this is the, the, the real turning point where the protagonist, uh, Luke, uh, doing, is doing battle at a climactic point with the antagonist, arrogant Luke, and takes the navigational computer and relies on the external guidance of the Force and uh, actually destroys the Death Star at that point. Um, and so that's really kind of the tale, I think, in a nutshell of, uh, of, of, uh, of Episode 4, A New Hope, and, and try to think about what I've, all that I've just said in terms of uh, Romans chapter 7, uh, in terms of that collect, the, the, the confessional prayer from the 1928 prayer book of uh, the sort of the inward affliction. As that prayer so beautifully says, there's no health in us, uh, miserable offenders. I mean, we're, lot, we're, we're all like Luke, basically, um, depending on our own uh, strength and abilities to get this done. Uh, and, and so we're at once both the sort of protagonist of our own uh, narrative in life and, and also really our own antagonist. And, and our life is a lot like episode four of Star Wars, the sort of lifelong, what takes place in three days for Luke is like lifelong for us. Uh, and, and I'll get to the, the idea of the Force in just a little bit, but I want to continue on with it, it, things don't entirely resolve in episode four because we continue this inward battle in episodes five and six. And uh, remember that Martin Luther said that we're at once a uh, sinner and justified. 
simul justus et peccator. Um, and so you could say this is really a tale of being simul vader et Jedi. Um, and that's true for both Luke and we see this also for Darth Vader, um, increasingly so uh, in episodes five and six. And this was, if you remember at the beginning, uh, not the beginning, but sort of midway through the Empire Strikes Back that um, Luke is being tutored by Yoda uh, on Dagobah. And he goes into, he, and, and, and Yoda sends him into this wood and uh, he tells him not to bring his weapon in. Uh, and he says, you're going to face the most difficult thing you've ever faced. It's this sort of uh, existential uh, sort of um, battle that he's going to do inside of this wood. And, and Luke, still depending on his own strength, does what? He brings his lightsaber in. And um, he has this sort of um, premonition, this uh, very foreshadowing, metaphoric experience where he... Uh, Darth Vader's not actually there, but he sees him, and they do battle with lightsabers, and Luke decapitates, who's not really Darth Vader, but an image of him, and the, the mask, the head rolls down, and the mask cracks open, and he sees his own face inside of Darth Vader's mask. Do you remember this? Um, and so you could say, uh, Simul Vader at Jedi. <laughs> And to, to tie, the, tie, it, tie it up even more, toward the end of um, Empire Strikes Back, Luke uh, does a real battle with Darth Vader. And in that battle, you remember, he loses his right hand. Uh, and this probably really is a, a major turning point for Luke, this scene here. Uh, both for the losing of his hand and also for what happens next that I'll talk about. Uh, and uh, he loses his hand, which is, the, is also holding his weapon. So he loses the lightsaber that Obi-Wan gave him and said, this was your father's lightsaber. And that goes down. The, there's always that sort of a Star Wars cliche that things go down, uh, way down inside of uh, places like the Death Star and, and here. And, uh, but not only that, but we know that Darth Vader himself is not fully man, but mostly robot. He's sort of a head on top of a robot's body. Uh, and so he, there's this sort of kinship now. And what we learn next when Vader tells him, I'm your father. I'm actually your dad. Uh, and, uh, and so the, 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 they're drawn together. And what you see is that, that Luke is actually a lot like his father. And his father's a lot like him. Um, and so much so that at the end of the movie, Luke gets a fake hand that's, that's robotic, just like uh, Vader's. And at the end of the next movie, uh, Return of the Jedi, Luke does what? He chops off his father's right hand, and if you take a close-up look at it, it's a robotic hand. Um, uh, and so uh, if it weren't clear before, <laughs> I hope it's clear for you now. And of course, that movie ends with the unmasking of Vader, and we see the real Anakin under the mask uh, because he says to him, just for once, let me look on you with my own eyes. This tender moment that they share where Vader uh, ceases to exist and becomes Anakin Skywalker again uh, and is sort of redeemed by his own son um, uh, and uh, the, behind the shroud of strength 
that was Vader is really this weak man uh, that who's falling apart. I mean, look at the the le the sort of the ulcers on his head. Um, you know, I mean, uh, the strength that he had had to do with manipulating the Force um, and not actual strength of his own. Uh, and if, if all this was, wasn't clear before, it, it even carries on more so with the, the prequels in terms of Anakin uh, really doing the same sort of inward battle as Luke did in the first trilogy. We see that in the prequel trilogy with Anakin. Um, I don't want to talk too much about the prequels for a few reasons. Uh, episode 7 will pick up where Episode 6 leaves off. And I just, honestly, I just don't really like them that much. Um, and maybe you, maybe you don't either. I mean, for a lot of reasons. There are some really redeeming qualities about them, but it's, uh, for, for a lot of reasons, um, I, just, I just don't enjoy watching them. I'm going to close this for sound. Um, hey, guys. Um, uh, but anyway, so, uh, but you see that, and whereas Luke uh, has the happy ending of uh, episode six, Anakin has a, a very sad ending with episode three. So their inward battle turns out the same way. I'll add to the, the idea of the moral complexity in Star Wars, you could really pick apart, I won't in detail, but with two other characters you could. Uh, remember that I'm sort of, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm negating the idea that Star Wars is simply about good people and bad people. Good cops, bad cops. Cowboys, Indians. You see what I'm saying? Um, I mean, think of Han Solo. <laughs> he, he's a scoundrel. I mean, uh, but he's really, he's one, of the, he's one of the good guys. And yet, um, he's a shady character. Um, and, uh, you know, toward the end of episode six, you see that he becomes a, a better and better guy by worldly standards. But there's a lot about him um, that is morally complex. And likewise, uh, you see this also with Lando, uh, who comes in uh, episode uh, uh, five, um, where he is a traitor to uh, Luke and his uh, companions, and, and yet quickly um, sort of um, repents of that and joins forces with them. And again, things always happen in two or three days. Uh, big changes. You go from Lando being that guy to being a general of the Rebel Alliance like three days later. Um, and here he is, where he's like, hey, I'm a general now, you know, talking to his buddy Han Solo. He just um, sort of betrayed. Uh, but uh, And so you see that the moral complexity is more realistic with even characters like Han Solo and Lando, who are much beloved. Well, gosh, I want to say so much more. I feel like I'm running short of time, but I want to talk a little bit about the Force. Well, what's the Force? Um, you know, may the Force be with you. What is this Force? I don't think that there's a an absolute one-to-one -one analog in Christianity. Uh, you could say that there are certain aspects of the way that the Force is talked about is more akin to like chi or, or something Eastern. Yet there are things that are said about the Force and the way that the Force operates, especially in the first trilogy, that um, are, are helpful for shedding light on um, the Christian faith and life of a Christian. Just think of what uh, Obi-Wan tells um, Luke about the Force when he's first explaining it. The Force is what gives a Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. 
the thing that's interesting about the Force, at least, um, in Episode Four and the rest of the trilogy, uh, is the idea that the Force is this sort of external agent um, that uh, that is, uh, is, 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 is is should be and ought to be a force for good that guides us, uh, guides. Um, the Jedi especially, and not only is it outside of the Jedi, but eventually it it, it goes inside of the Jedi and, 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 and guides him. And you could say that in this respect, it's quite a lot like uh, both the rescuing operation of uh, work of God, especially through, through things like Jesus Christ's life and death, but also the Holy Spirit being... Uh, the, the agent that is both outside of us and in us that guides us. And uh, this especially comes to light on, in episode f- uh, five, The Empire Strikes Back, when Yoda is tutoring Luke. And let me just read a few th- great lines um, from Yoda. Uh, you will know the good from the bad, basically, when you are calm, at peace. Passive. A Jedi uses the Force for knowledge and defense, never for attack. Uh, and then another quote. Yes, a Jedi's strength flows from the Force, but beware of the dark side. Anger, fear, aggression, the dark side of the Force are they. Easily they flow, quick to join you in a fight. If once you start down the dark path, forever will it dominate your destiny, consume you at will, as it did Obi-Wan's apprentice, meaning uh, Darth Vader. And then finally... Uh, size matters not. Look at me. I mean, look at Yoda. <laughs> uh, judge me by my size, do you? And well, you should not, for my ally is the Force, and a powerful ally it is. Life creates it, makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the Force around you, here between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. Yes, even between the land and the ship. Now, there are many aspects of that that you could take issue with. I want to shelve that and just think of the idea of passivity and activity, letting the force guide, and things like size doesn't matter. Look at me, Yoda. I'm this very small creature who's old and weak uh, in terms of physical strength. Uh, and then he, the famous line, which is really cool, he says, uh, uh, he says, um, uh, try not do or do not do there is no try and so really the 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 tutoring that yoda gives luke is about activity versus passivity don't depend on your own strength like you did in the first episode of star wars but allow the 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 force to rescue you to do the work for you submit to it be passive to it and really the difference between the dark side and the good side of, of the force is that the, the, the dark side uses uh, the force as a tool, uh, manipulates it uh, for its own purposes, whereas the, the, the light side submits to the force. And so I hope you're seeing at least some helpful analogs uh, for Christian connections uh, with, with the force. The, as I said, it's not 100%, but worth grappling because the Force is so central to the Star Wars. And then uh, one of the things I hate about the prequel uh, trilogy is that the Force is explained as midichlorians, which are the sort of bacterial matter inside of all cells that that guide. 
And I think this was a massive failure because it actually undoes everything that I just said about the force. Whereas the force before was a sort of external agent that guides, that, uh, that is its own thing uh, and surrounds and penetrates. Now it's this sort of bacterium that's in all cells that is, 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 is just there. Um, and, and a lot of people hate the idea of the midichlorians. I really hope that it doesn't come back in episode seven, but that's uh, to be determined. Um, but so therefore the empire, as I said, side. sorry? Is that the dark side? <laughs> well, uh, well, but the dark side has midichlorians too, according to the Star Wars lore. It's just the, the difference and the difference lies with the empire is about control and pragmatism and activity, remember, versus passivity, a using of the force versus uh, submitting to it passively, um, that it's sort of a tool to be used and therefore not respected. It's a means toward an end of control. Gosh, I always teach and I bring up some topic and then I'm like, that's exactly like what Andrew was saying in his sermon. Remember, he said that. The darkness is about control. And here we see that Star Wars is really getting at that. And it's interesting that the Empire is the one place, the one place really, uh, especially in the first trilogy where there's order and cleanliness and control. It's all about reigning in the chaos. And therefore, if there's any force, it's, it's to be used to manipulate. Um, if people uh, are not with us, we'll kill them. I mean, Darth Vader's like, the Admiral failed, kill him. The next Admiral failed, kill him, you know? It's like, off with your head. Intimidation and control. Versus, oh wait, I won't get to verses, but, but I want to just draw a close connection to our days. I think that's a lot like ISIS, actually. If you think about it. That's a, it's, watch Star Wars again and just think about ISIS anytime the Galactic Empire comes through. I mean, they look like a ragtag bunch right here uh, versus the sort of clean empire, but really they're after the same thing. Uh, thought control. Uh, if you have a thought crime, we cut off your head. Um, and if you don't agree with us, we'll use force by any means necessary uh, to just get rid of you or intimidate. Um, versus what you see in Star Wars where, where, where things that are associated with the good actually are kind of messy. Even the droids are dirty. You know, unless C-3PO is getting an oil bath, he usually has some sort of patina on him. You know, one of his legs is a different color than the other one. Uh, R2-D2, forget about it, he's always getting dirty. Always getting dirty until he gets a bath at the end of each episode when there's the award ceremony. Um, but, uh, and so the, 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 the goodness actually is lying in the chaos. Uh, and I venture to say that that's actually where the Holy Spirit's uh, most at work, is in the chaos. And remember the thing about weakness versus strength. Even though I hate them, the Ewoks kind of, uh, if there's one redeeming factor uh, with the Ewoks, it's really just sort of to give another metaphor this idea of weakness doing battle with uh, perceivable strength. Um, I mean, they're basically like cuddly teddy bears that helped sell products in the early 1980s. I mean, I had them too, you know, all the kids loved, uh, it's one of the things that's kind of a failure of, uh, of, of Return of the Jedi is, is this sort of cutesy factor. And yet, though, they win the battle against the Galactic Empire on their, their uh, forest moon planet, um, 
and uh, and they're really just sort of a ragtag chaotic bunch. I mean, it's this is sort of is there anything that could be closer to the opposite of this than uh, the Ewoks? Um, and 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 at the end of the day, they win the battle and help the the Rebel Alliance win the battle. Um, Gosh, I was out of breath because I got like four minutes left. But all that to sort of help you think about the Star Wars as a Christian through Christian lenses a little bit, uh, especially in, in anticipation to The Force Awakens. And remember the first thing that I said was about this sort of inward struggle, that don't be fooled to think that Star Wars is a neat story about the, the battle of good versus evil, cowboys, Indians, good cops, bad cops, uh, uh, because we see in the at least one thing we know from the um, the trailer is the first thing you see in the Force Awakens is what a former stormtrooper repenting and going to the good side. The first thing that you see is someone going from dark into light, uh, and, and and so it gives us an idea of of what might happen in the Force Awakens. I'm really wondering what will happen with Luke, but I don't know, and I'm not reading the. The, the spoiler alerts, because I just want to see it for the first time. I really hope, though, that J.J. Abrams doesn't bring the midichlorians in and allows the Force to be more, channel more of Yoda. I mean, the Yoda was so great, and Empire Strikes Back on on the planet of Dagobah when he's um, tutoring Luke, and, uh, and that being really the essential... Force and there's it, 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 the thing with Star Wars is there's six episodes and there's no there's, there's there's some continuity but there's not absolute continuity between them. I mean you see this with other things. I mean just watch the James Bond movies for God's sake. Um, there's I mean there's not even continuity of the actors that play them. It's the same thing with Star Wars even though it's the same author penning a lot of it. Uh, but uh, but so so hopefully that can be taken out. But I have some hope with J J Abrams being the director because he actually did to Star Trek what Star Wars is about when he remade uh, Star Trek. Star Trek was much more of a sci-fi intellectual television show and Star Wars, although people talk about it as science fiction, is actually more fantasy. Uh, and and J.J. Abrams with Star Trek kind of turned the, 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 the movies that he made with Star Trek into more of an emotional kind of fantasy sort of tale. And that's really what he, he really has, he really should be working on Star Wars and not Star Trek. I'm not a big nerd about Star Trek, but um, I'm really optimistic, though, about Episode 7. I hope I'm not let down. I hope you aren't either. Um, any sort of uh, reflections, thoughts, uh, talk back, disagreements, questions, whatever, about anything that's come up? Yeah, you could. I mean, you you could say, especially in the sort of making a case that Luke and Vader are almost basically the same person to a certain extent. You could call him the antagonist in that respect, I guess. Yeah, I did a little bit of that, uh, but I don't I don't think he's the necessary antagonist in the way that we always sort of think about him. The, the thing about Star Wars is it's a phenomenon. It's more than just a story. It's sort of a cultural phenomenon, and what sort of happens is we have these sort of iconic associations about Star Wars and we sort of forget 
what the story was about. It's helpful to go back and, and watch it again. Any other thoughts? What's your thought on the, on the, the title of the, the Force Awakens? As if it's uh, uh, something that could have been dormant or, or Yeah, I have, you know, I, I have no idea. Uh, look, but you know, you're right because the Force actually wasn't asleep. Uh, at the end of uh, uh, the Return of the Jedi, we know that not only is Luke now a Jedi and the Force has always been strong in him, but we find out what. Do you remember who else this Force is strong with? Leia. Leia. Yeah. And they have even you see that at the end of uh, the Empire Strikes Back, they have this sort of mind connection with the Force, and she's able to rescue him when he brings about all kinds of trouble in episode five. I mean, he's really not the protagonist. He doesn't save the day. He causes all the trouble. When he tries to rescue his friends, they rescue themselves, and then they rescue him. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Leia has the Force strong with her, and, uh, and so, so with Luke, too. So it hasn't, who knows? What, how has it been dormant? We don't know what that means yet. There's definitely sort of a a resurrection kind of language there. I mean, that was um, true with the, the, the latest Batman, too. Remember, the, what was it? The Dark Knight Rises. Um, and um, so hopefully there, we, could, we could do another class where we bring in some resurrection themes. I don't know what. Um, I'm out of time. I'm sorry. I just I wanted more opportunity for conversation. But uh, like I said, try to cover too much material in one class, and that's what happens. But hopefully... This is helpful for, and maybe it won't be. Maybe everything I've said will just sort of uh, fall to the sidelines in episode seven, and uh, it won't be helpful at all. But uh, uh, I hope it is. Uh, but thank you. You good? Yeah, maybe. Uh, December eighteenth, and uh, it's playing at the IMAX at uh, the McWayne Center. I would really recommend that as the the place to see it. Yeah. All right, go in peace, love, and serve the Lord.